this glorious morning, this worship experience. Father, we pray now that you would speak to our hearts and our minds through your word. And Father, let all that's done and said bring your name, glory, and honor, and bless your people tremendously. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's word to Philippians chapter 2. And I want to read verse 5. The text reads, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I want to preach today with the help of the Holy Spirit. And I solicit your prayers from the subject, God says, Let my people think. God says, let my people think. Say that with me. God says, let my people think. Amen. In 1974, during my freshman year at Benedict College, I took a class entitled Critical Thinking. This class was taught by a wonderful professor, Dr. Latta Thomas, who was also a longtime uh, pastor in our city. He was a gifted pastor and a gifted teacher, a college professor, who had a passionate desire for all of his students to think. Dr. Thomas had a desire for all of his students to think. I really needed this class because I had grown up uh, with the mentality if it was on the news or if it was in the newspaper, it was true. So I needed this class entitled Critical Thinking. Dr. Thomas told us that one of the greatest gifts given to human beings by God was the ability to rationalize, to reason, to think. He went on to say something that I had never considered before, something that has lasted and stayed with me for 44 years since I left Benedict College. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. He said, what gives human beings dominion over the animal kingdom or over animals is our ability to think. I had never thought about that. Had you ever thought about the, that, that? The thing that gives us dominion over the animals and even over insects, reptiles, any kind of animal is our ability to think, to rationalize. Think about it. Suppose bears could think. Suppose snakes could think. Suppose mosquitoes could think and mount a, a, a battle against humankind, spreading diseases. Suppose they could organize and think. We would be in big, big trouble. The old United Negro College Fund adage, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Wisely reminded 
everyone, uh, reminds everyone, but particularly the young African-American students, not to shift their minds into neutral and not to allow other people to do their thinking for them. We should never allow other people to do our thinking for us. But on the contrary, this adage encourages young students to use their God-given ability to think as a means of advancing spiritually, mentally, emotionally, culturally, socially, and economically. Think, think, think. Born in India, Ravi Zacharias became a Christian during his teenage years. He established and is president of Ligonier Ministries, which broadcasts on Moody Radio as, as well as other stations around the world. And one of the things that caught my attention was that whenever uh, let the, the Robert Zacharias' program began, it began with the words, let my people think. After which Robbie Zacharias brought forth compelling biblical truths that challenge listeners to think. Well, thinking is what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he wrote the words of today's text. Paul wrote in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul reminds us that God says, let my people think. Paul challenges his readers to have a Christocentric or a Christ-centered world view. Paul under under the direction of the Holy Spirit, as he writes, makes it clear that it is possible for the people of God to rise to the level where we think with the mind of Christ. That's the goal of Paul in this text, to get the Philippians to think with the mind of Christ and to get Christians throughout the ages to think with the mind of Christ. Thinking with the mind of Christ should be our continual quest, the desire of our hearts, the object of our prayers, that we have the mind of Christ. We, we ought to pray that we have the thought processes of Christ, that we have the considerations, the deliberations, and the contemplations of Christ as we face the issues and the alternatives of this life. We need to be thinking always in a Christ-like fashion. We live in a fallen, sin-cursed, evil-filled world where thinking with the mind of Christ does not come naturally. In fact, most of the things we see from day to day and hear 
from day to day. And most of the things, if we aren't careful that we read from day to day, from magazines that we glimpse as we pass through the checkout counter to billboards that we see, to articles that come across our desk, to pop-ups on our on our uh, uh, Facebook page and on our computers. Most of the things we read and hear and see in the world are diametrically opposed to Christ's likeness. For example, check out all the movie listings. Do, do your own research on this and come to your own conclusions. Check out all the movie listings playing in theaters in and around where you live, your city. And compare the number of R-rated and PG-rated movies to the family-friendly movies, the G-rated movies, or even the PG-rated movies that you find. And see what you come up with. Just, Just compare the movie the ratings, and see what you come up with. I'll assure you that the number of movies you find that promote Christ-like morals and values and ethics will be far less than the movies you find promoting hate and violence and sexual exploitation and greed and lust in every other sin known to humankind. Yet it is into this arena of sin and brokenness and darkness and ungodliness that Paul instructs believers to think with the mind of Christ. For you see, the reality is this. We will not become Christ-like in our conduct, until we become Christ-like in our thinking. If you really want to know where a person's mind is, observe their behavior. Behavior is the tell-tale sign, the tell-all sign of the mind. I can drive along the streets of, of Lakeland or Bartow and just read bumper stickers. And I can tell where a person's mind is. Question, am I acting in a Christ-like manner? Or am I acting up? Or acting out? Or acting ugly? However I'm acting is a result of where my mind is. Back where I grew up in South Carolina, and maybe it happened where you grew up too, if a child was acting up, the seasoned saints, the older crowd, would say, you are acting ugly. Y'all remember that? You are acting ugly. That's what they would say. And if we kept on acting ugly, they would say something like, keep on 
acting ugly, and I've got something for you. That was code language. And if we insisted on acting ugly, they would apply simultaneous pressure to the seat of our pants. That's because they believe what the Bible said over what the psychologist taught and over what the so-called parenting experts said. They believe what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. My grandfather, Albert Pickett, took this literally. He believed the words of Proverbs 22, 14 with all of his heart. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. And I still vividly remember him demonstrating his belief through what he called his strap. And I'm so grateful because I stand here today in great part due to my grandfather's belief system and his thinking with the mind of Christ instead of his thinking with the mind of so-called experts. Foolishness, foolish behavior, Foolish thinking is never the result of having the mind of Christ. Having the mind of Christ always and without exception produces the things which are right and proper. So with that reality firmly established, let us lift from the text that was read earlier by Pastor Joe several things the mind of Christ produces. First, the mind of Christ produces service. Notice verse 7, the text reads, but made himself, talking about Jesus, of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man. Now that's servanthood personified. Jesus, who left his home in glory, Jesus, who constantly heard angels singing, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, Jesus who was preeminent, precious, and pure, Jesus who had the right to demand service, Jesus who deserved to be served, came himself as a servant. Mark 10, 45 addresses the servant nature of Jesus, stating, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So it is then that those who have the mind of Christ, those who have the attitude of Christ, those who have Christ-like thoughts dominating, marinating, and resonating in their minds will produce service. In fact, people who think with the mind of Christ never have to be begged or coerced to serve. They serve because they have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ always produces service. 
You always know when you're in a fellowship where people have the mind of Christ because there are always more than enough people serving in ministry. Those with the mind of Christ will serve in the local church, will serve in the community, will serve telling others about the goodness of Jesus who gave his life on the cross at Calvary to save wicked sinners, then rose from the grave with ultimate authority. That's all power given unto him. Those who have the mind of Christ will serve in missions nationally and globally across the street and around the world as the Spirit of God opens doors and provides opportunities. And if they do, they'll do it with joy and enthusiasm because they have the mind of Christ. Have you seen people working with joy and enthusiasm excited about what they're doing, excited about the ministry. That's because they are thinking with the mind of Christ. It's very, very, very exciting. Never a dull moment serving with the mind of Christ. Footnote, those who have the mind of Christ will not listen to, counsel with, or follow the advice of counsel productive, naysaying voices who vehemently try to discourage them from serving the Lord Jesus Christ who has been so good to them. Second, the mind of Christ produces humility. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he, meaning Jesus, humbled himself. That means Jesus was willing to humbly submit himself to the will of the Father, as he did in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said to the Father, Not my will, but thine be done. That means Jesus was willing to humbly submit himself to the will of the Father and carry out his mission without debate and at whatever the call. When we have the mind of Christ, such will be our attitudes as well. The person who is truthfully, genuinely, authentically humble before God does not avoid sacrifice. He or she lives for the glory of God and the good of others. And if paying a price will honor Christ and help others, he or she is willing to do so. Dr. Warren Wiersbe, former pastor of the historic Moody Church in Chicago, tells of a missionary going booth to booth at a religious festival in Brazil examining the wares. He saw a sign above one booth that read, and I quote, cheap crosses. End quote. He thought to himself, that's what many Christians are looking for these days. They are looking for cheap crosses. My Lord's cross was not cheap. Why should mine be? Now here's a truism. People who have the mind of Christ 
are not looking for cheap crossings. They're not looking for easy believism. Nor are they looking for non-sacrificial expressions of their faith in Jesus. In other words, they are not looking to serve Jesus at no cost to themselves. No, people who have the mind of Christ humble themselves, roll up their sleeves, open up their treasures, and fully engage in the many avenues of ministry Jesus sets before them. Ministries such as our Lord pinpointed in Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36. Listen to what Jesus says. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. What he's saying is, when I was hungry, you took an interest in my hunger. You did not only feed yourself, but you thought about me. He says, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. You did not only satisfy your own thirst and then go on your merry way and not concern yourself with the thirst of others, but you gave me drink. Said I was a stranger and you took me in. I I needed friendship. I needed a handshake. I needed a kind word. I needed someone to care. And it was you that took the time. To do it. Said I was naked and you clothed me. In other words, Jesus is saying, You were not only concerned about dressing yourself in fine fabric with all of the trimmings, all of the, the accessories. No, no. You dress yourself, but you also thought about me. I was sick and you visited me. Your, your, your mindset, your compassionate heart drove you to have concern for those who are sick, those who need medicines and perhaps cannot afford them or do not have them readily accessible to them. Jesus said, you visited me. I was in prison and you came to see me perhaps incarcerated behind bars, perhaps in prison emotionally, mentally, perhaps in prison due to some type of addiction, but you cared enough to come and see me. Now, the hectic, selfish, insensitive world in which we live races right past these precious words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. But thinking people, people with the mind of Christ, humble themselves and joyfully take up the mantle of service and sacrifice. Third and finally, the mind of Christ produces obedience. Observe again verse 8. 
And being found in appearance as a man, he, meaning Jesus, humbled himself and became, underscore this in your Bible, obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Death on the cross was the most cruel and disgraceful form of death during Jesus' day. This form of capital punishment was limited to non-Roman citizens. In fact, it was so vile until Rome did not even crucify its own citizens. This form of capital punishment was limited to non-Roman citizens and to the most vicious of criminals by their estimation. There's no better example of obedience for the church to follow than that which Jesus modeled for us on Calvary's cross. What Jesus did on that cross was obedience par excellence. It does not get any better. You see, it was the Father's will that Jesus come to earth and die for the sins of humanity. And Jesus Christ did it. He obeyed God. And likewise, those who have the mind of Christ obey God. Even when we don't want to, we obey God. Even when we don't understand it, we still obey God. Even when it's not comfortable and convenient, when we have the mind of Christ, we obey God. It is said that Mark Twain encountered a wild and wicked businessman from Boston during his travels. This man boasted that nobody ever got in his way once he determined to do something. The businessman said to Mark Twain, before I die, I'm going to take a trip to the Holy Land. And while there in the Holy Land, I'm going to climb up to the highest point of Mount Sinai. And when I get to the very top of Mount Sinai, I'm going to stand there and read the Ten Commandments as loud as I can. And I'm going to read them at the top of my voice. Unimpressed, Mark Twain said, I got a better idea. Why don't you stay in Boston and live out the Ten Commandments? That's the challenge for the church. That's the challenge for you and me. That's the challenge for those of us who have the mind of Christ. The challenge is obedience to the commands of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God has spoken. Let the church say, Amen.